transform your heart and so man I love love being able to worship so thankful for the praise team who so faithfully leads us to worship our King of Kings and Lord of Lords well good morning good morning welcome to Northside Baptist Church we're so glad that you are here to worship with us today uh, this is your first time with us you are our special guest and we want you to feel welcome would you do me a huge favor if you're a first-time guest. I know this morning I see several first-time or second-time visitors, but inside the bulletin is a place for you to fill out some information about yourself, but I promise we're not going to come harass you. I'm just not great with names, um, and it helps me if I can, and with these masks, sometimes I don't, I'm not, maybe I'm not hearing your name, maybe the way I would have before, so if you could just take a few minutes, fill that out if this is your first or second time with us, and there's a box out there in our foyer, if you could just set that in there. Uh, we would greatly appreciate that. Also, there's a place for you to write down some prayer requests. If there's a way that we can be praying for you, uh, we, want to, we want to do that. So, again, thank you for being here. If we can answer any questions, we want to be able to do that. We want to love on you and serve you any way that we can. Well, hopefully you looked over the bulletin. One announcement I want to highlight right now uh, is that Children's Church resumes today. Any parents excited about that? I figured you might be. Uh, so Children's Church resumes today. Now that's going to be uh, a little bit different. One, they're going to meet over in the education building. They're going to be in one of the Sunday school classes. You'll be able to hear them probably the second you walk in there. So you'll be able to find them so that they can spread out a little bit more. We're going to take our two classes. We're going to combine them into one for a little while to try to limit the number of teachers who are having to be involved. And also we're going to dismiss a little bit different. Usually we have Children's Church it's just not, our children's sermon, it's just not feasible right now with chairs being spread out and moved up to the front. So what we're going to do for those of you who have kids, three years old, potty trained, 
potty trained three-year-olds through second grade. This is for you. So adults, you can't just walk out with the kids. You're older in second grade. You have to stay in here. Sorry, but you have to. So here's what we're going to do. After the second hymn that Curtis leads us in, I always come up here and I have you remain standing for the reading of the Word of God. So I'm going to say remain standing, and while you're finding your Bibles, that's when our kids are going to make their way out. So they're going to transition right at the time we get ready to read God's Word. So they're in here with us for the worship part, and then during the sermon, they're going to go um, do their thing. And so I'll remind you of that as we get a little bit closer. The scripture I want us to pray through this morning comes directly from our text that we're going to be looking at. It's 1 John chapter 3, verse 16. It says, By this we know love, that he, that being Jesus, laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. I'm going to pray for us in just a moment, but before I do that, would you take just a moment and just to begin to meditate, begin to think upon that verse And let the Spirit of God stir your heart and your affections to worship Him as you pray. And then I'll pray for us. Most gracious, loving, Heavenly Father. So many people in the world today are searching, they're looking for love. They want to be loved, they want to feel loved. And maybe, God, there are some people who walked into this place this morning and they are looking for love. And John is abundantly clear. He says, by this we know love. That he, Jesus, laid down his life for us. Oh, Father, that is love, that you would send the Son for wicked sinners like us, that Jesus, you would come and willingly, willingly lay down your life. It was not taken from you, but you laid it down for a wretch sinner like me, that you would then send the Spirit of God who would indwell us and daily remind us of this love. God, that is love. And if there is anyone here today who does not know that love, anyone who is watching online this morning who does not know that love, who has never experienced the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ, may they just come to you today, Father. And would you challenge us that because Jesus laid down his life for us, that we now as your sons and daughters, as the brothers and sisters of Jesus, our brother, we are to love one another. We are to be willing to lay down our lives for others. So Spirit of God, move in this place. Expose any hatred. Expose any strong dislike. Expose, Lord, any self-centeredness in us that is keeping us from loving other people the way you would have us to love. Father, be glorified in all that we say and do this morning. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, would you please stand? Let's continue to worship together.
and pray for sinners till our God makes all things new. Then he'll call us home to heaven. At his table we'll sit down. Christ will gird himself and serve us with sweet manna all around. Thank you. You may be seated.
Amen. If you'll remain standing and take your Bibles and turn to 1 John, our children are going to go to that door over there. They're going to make their, their way over so to your right, and that's where they'll meet you, and they're going to go to the education building. So any of our children who are heading to Children's Church, make your way over there. The rest of us, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 3, 1 John chapter 3, verses 11 through 18, 11 through 18, and this is what the word of the Lord says, for this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer, and you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth." You may be seated. Ed was in trouble. Ed had forgotten his wedding anniversary and his wife got really angry. So she told him, tomorrow morning, I expect, some of you maybe have heard this before, tomorrow morning I expect to find a gift in the driveway that goes from zero to 200 in less than six seconds. You know where this is going. And it better be there. So the next morning, Ed got up early, left for work. When his wife woke up, she looked out the window. Sure enough, there was a package out there, but not the size of a car, much smaller. It was gift wrapped, sitting in the middle of the driveway. Confused, she put her robe on, ran out to the driveway, brought the box back in the house, opened it up, and found a brand new bathroom scale. How can you just love a man like that, right? I mean, how, how could you love somebody like that, right? Look, I don't know, I don't know if that story's true or not, probably not, probably, though some man's probably done something along those lines, right? But the reality is, it's not easy to love people, right? People do things, say things, and sometimes it's just hard to love them. And yet, in the scripture, right off the bat, verse 11, we read these words. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should what? Love one another. We are called to love one another. I think generally, this means that we are to love all of humanity. Specifically, in the context here that we're in this morning, John is talking about brothers and sisters. He's talking about other men and women in the faith, our brothers and our sisters, that we are to love them. That our love for brothers and sisters is going to look very different than the world's understanding of love. And so what's set before us in these verses, again, if you haven't been with us in our series of, of 1 John John is, is dealing with some false teachers um, who have left the faith, walked away. They're causing division and, and claiming to be believers in Christ. And so John's trying to show them, look, if you really belong to Jesus, there's going to be three things that are evident in your life. We saw one of them last week. We saw the distinction, the contrast between righteousness and unrighteousness. Those of us who have been born again, who claim the name of Jesus, we're going to live differently. We're going to love God. We want to love his word. So we're going to look differently. We're going to pursue righteousness, whereas the world lives in unrighteousness. And in the very last part of verse 10, he said this, right? Um, Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. And from there, he begins to talk about what it looks like to love our brothers and sisters. And what he does is he contrasts two things. Last week, it was righteousness and unrighteousness. This morning, it is love and hatred. 
And so two main points I want you to see, and then just a little bit of application at the end. Number one is this. I want you to notice that hatred is the opposite of love. Hatred is the opposite of love. And so he, he contrasted two. And so let's look first at hatred, and then we're going to look at love and see how it is the exact opposite of hatred. Notice that hatred is the way of the world. Hatred is how we would characterize the world. And there's four things I want you to notice here. Number one, he uses an example. And the example he uses is a man by the name of Cain. Verse 12, we should not be like Cain. We should not be like Cain. Well, who was Cain? Well, we know that Cain was the son of Adam and Eve, and he also had a brother named Abel. Right? We know that Cain and Abel both offer up sacrifices to God. Abel's is pleasing to God, Hebrews 11:4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain. So they both offer up sacrifices. Abel's is more acceptable. Cain, in light of this, gets angry. Right? He gets jealous. The jealousy leads to anger. Anger leads to hatred. Hatred ends up leading to murder. Right? He murders his own brother. Think about this. Cain is the first person born into the world the way that we think of being born into the world. Right? Adam, made from the dust. Eve, made from the rib of Adam. They weren't born the way that you and I, the way that I was born. Cain is the first person to be born into this world. And the first person born is a murderer. Things don't get off on the right foot, do they? The very first person born into the world, the way that I was born into the world, is a murderer. Church, this shows the destructive nature of sin when it's not kept in check. And Cain's even warned, right? Sin is crouching at the door. You need to do something about this. But he doesn't. He ends up killing his brother. So John gives us an example. You want an example of hatred? Uh, look to Cain who murdered his brother. But look what else he says. We should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one. Here's the second thing I want you to notice. Hatred originates in the devil. Hatred originates in the devil. It says that Cain was of the evil one. Well, who's the evil one? Well, we know that to be the devil. We know that to be Satan. We know from last week that the devil has been sinning from the beginning. Verse 8, Jesus said, You are of the father, you are of your father, the devil, and your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. So to live a life of hatred, John says, is to be of the devil. Because this is the characteristic of the devil. He is a murderer. He is a liar. He is one who wants to steal, kill, and destroy. Notice the third thing about this hatred. It leads to activity against another. Even to the point of death. Hatred seeks to harm another person. Look what it says. Verse 12, we should not be like Cain, who was of the evil one, and murdered his brother. That word for murdered literally means just like slit his throat. I mean, he, he violently kills his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Burdick writes, hatred is the desire to get rid of someone. Whether or not one has the nerve or the occasion to perform the act. Now, some of us may say, well, look, I've never murdered anyone. I'm good. And then you read what Jesus says right in the Sermon on the Mount. That if we hate someone, we're just as guilty. We're guilty. Right? We're under that judgment because we hate someone. Well, where does this come from? This desire to harm another person. It always comes from self-centeredness. Always. Can you just, let's just imagine for a moment if self-centeredness could be removed from your marriage completely on both accounts. Man, you wouldn't have any issues. Imagine if, just imagine for a moment, all of the self-centeredness of your teenage son or daughter was removed. Wouldn't things just be wonderful? Right? Because most of our arguments most of the time when we get angry, it is not because someone has sinned against God. It's because they've sinned against us. You're disrespecting me. You're not doing what I told you to do. And so we get angry and we lash out. It's all because of self-centeredness. Why do we steal? Why would someone take from someone else? 
It's because they're being selfish. Why would you take someone's life? It's because you're being selfish. Self-centeredness is at the root of it. And then the fourth thing I want you to notice about hatred is that it is evidence of spiritual death. Look at verse 14 says, We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. The way of the world is one of hatred. And what John would say is they're still dead in their sins and trespasses. They have never experienced the spiritual birth. They've never been born again. They're dead because they hate. It is evidence of spiritual death. And then he contrasts that with love. So look at, let's talk about love. Love is the way of the people of God. Everything we just talked about, love is the exact opposite. John gives us another example, this time for love. And who's the example that he gives us? It's Jesus. The example of hate is Cain. The example of love is Jesus. Verse 16, by this we know love. What? That he laid down his life for us. He laid down his life for us. Jesus Christ is the supreme example of love. If you want to know what love is, you look to Jesus. This is how we know what love is, that he laid down his life for us. This is important. Laid down, that language, involves a deliberate, willful act that demonstrated his love for us. Here's what Jesus said. No one takes it from me. No one takes my life from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. One author wrote, since one's life is an individual's most precious possession, Christ's willingness to lay down that life on behalf of others constituted the greatest possible expression of love. I think this is important. Jesus laid down his life for us. Jesus is God in the flesh. You can just right now begin to think of all the miracles that Jesus began to perform. How we saw his mighty power. Jesus had to willingly go to the cross and be killed upon that cross. If Jesus wanted, he could have said, uh-uh, not happening. I'm going to call out to God the Father and you're all going to be dead in an instant. Like he could have removed all possible ways to ever be crucified upon a cross. Right? This is the creator. All things are created through Jesus. Jesus, if he didn't want to lay down his life, if he was not supposed to lay down his life, would have stopped it from happening. But we know he dies. These men who ultimately don't have the power over Jesus nailed him to the cross. Why? Because he laid it down. For an example. Jesus is our example. But this is important. Hear me. Jesus' death for us isn't just an example. It is an example, one that we are to follow. But the reason he ultimately came was as our substitute. He came to die in your place. That's what we talked about last week, right? He came to forgive us of our sins and to destroy the works of the devil. So yes, Jesus is the greatest example of love, but Jesus is also the only way you and I can be saved and not go to hell. It's through Jesus Christ's death upon the cross. And if you have never believed in this death, if you have never trusted in Jesus' resurrection, if you never confessed your sins and turned from your wicked ways and taken hold of Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, do that today and you will come to know what true love is. Second thing about love is it originates in God. If hatred originated in the devil, then love begins with God. God is the source of life. He's the giver of life. 1 John chapter 4, verse 10 and this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. God is the one who first loved me and first loved you. Now, I thought it was interesting this week. 1 John 3.16 says, By this we know love that he laid down his life for us. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world. I thought that was interesting. John 3.16 and 1 John 3.16 are both basically saying the same thing. That Jesus laid down his life for us. This is love. Which leads to the third thing I want you to notice about love. And that is this. It leads to activity for another. It seeks to do good. Even to the point of self-sacrifice. So look what John does here. Verse 16. By this we know love. That he laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. John is saying, listen, we ought to be willing to lay down our life for a brother or sister in Christ. Now, the reality is most of us will never have that opportunity. 
Most of you will never have the opportunity to lay down your life, literally die for me. And I may never have that opportunity to die for you. That's, that's hard, right? To be willing to die for someone. And, and we, he, he's not going to let us off the hook to say, well, that's never going to happen because then look what he says. But if anyone has the world's goods, that means you have the financial means you have the things, the goods of the world to help. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother or his sister in need, so you have the means to meet the need, you see someone in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? See, the more difficult call is to lay down one's life for another. It's a lesser demand to help a brother in need. And yet, even this is still often so neglected so one thing i just want to challenge you with this morning is this are you aware of a brother or sister in this congregation who has a need are you aware of that if you are i just want to challenge you to step up to the plate and meet that need love on that person send them a card give them a phone call stop by and and see them even if you got to stand six to ten feet away right just stop by see them love on them instead of being self-centered we are to be selfless hear me though love is never convenient love is never convenient because love says i will do what's best for you and not what is best for me and that's never convenient to say, I'll do what's best for you and not what's best for me. Love says, I will do what you need, which may not be what I want. In your marriage with your children, in a church, sometimes you're going to have to do something that may be best for somebody else, and it's not really what you want. And yet we're called to be selfless. We are called to love as Christ loved. And then the fourth thing I want you to notice is that it is evidence of spiritual Life. Go back to verse 14. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. How do you know you have been born again? John is saying, is your new life in Jesus is now displayed in your loving your brothers? Church, we have an unbelievable opportunity and responsibility. Jesus Christ, as he walked this earth, it was, it was God in the flesh. He was manifesting the very love of God because it was God in front of them. Now, now Jesus is at the right hand of God the Father. He's poured out his Holy Spirit, which enables us to live the way he would want us to live. And we have a lost world. And we have brothers and sisters in Christ. We have God in us. Now we get to manifest the love of God to them. Everywhere you go. We'll talk about this more in a couple weeks when we're talking more about unbelievers as we get into 1 John chapter 4. Right? But everywhere you go, you have the opportunity to manifest the love of God. When people walk away from you, do they love God more? Like, is it just so contagious, so infectious, your love for Jesus, that when they leave, they can't help but love Jesus more because they see that in you? It is evidence of spiritual life. So hatred is opposed to love. But let me point out something else that I think we all need to be reminded of on a daily basis, and that is this. Hatred is in opposition to love. Hatred acts against Hatred is going to be hostile towards love. So BJ used an illustration yesterday for, for the devotion, which is very similar to something I had in my notes um, that I've just been thinking about all week long. So if you had a cup, right, a cup, just no lid, just a cup, and it was filled to the top, and you're walking, and someone bumps into you, what's going to happen? It's going to spill. Some of that's going to come out, right, because it's filled to the top. So here's my question for you as we, as we kind of think about this. As you're living your life, when someone bumps into you, what comes out? Hatred or love? When someone intentionally pushes your buttons, church member or not, family member or not, what comes out? Hatred, you like get angry, you, you attack, you raise your voice, or, or is it love? When, when you're at the grocery store and someone says something to you rudely or the cashier's going really slow and you're in a hurry like what comes out is it anger or is it or is it love 
Like, are you the person who somebody was telling me about this morning who, uh, because somebody wasn't wearing a mask in the store, was just attacking the meat cutter back there? Like the guy that makes seven fifty an hour, like getting on him. Why are people not wearing masks? Don't, can't you do something about this? Like that guy has any control in Kroger over who can wear masks. Right? He's like at the bottom of the totem pole. Like, is that you? That you just are always angry and frustrated and upset? Or when you're bumped, does love come out? Let me ask you another question. Are you on the giving or receiving end of hatred? Are you on the giving end or the receiving end of hatred? I skipped a verse, and I hope you caught it. It's verse 13. It comes on the heels of John making a comment about why Cain killed his brother Abel. It says because his own deeds were evil and his brothers were righteous. Abel was righteous, Cain was unrighteous. So what should Cain have done when he saw his brother's righteousness? He should have repented. Instead, he got angry and he killed him. Unrighteousness cannot stand righteousness. Unholy people don't want to be around holy people. They don't want you who love Jesus hanging around them when they don't love Jesus. So in the same way that Cain hated Abel for his righteousness, look what John says to us. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Are you on the receiving end or the giving end of hatred the world hating us should not shock you you should not be shocked if you turn on the television and some talking heads are speaking negatively of christians that shouldn't shock you you shouldn't be shocked that the world that is opposed to god in opposition to god operating under the guy under the influence of the devil would hate you and I as believers. Why? Why should we not be surprised? Well, Jesus told us. If you have your Bibles, go to John 15. Go to John 15. I think in 2020, sometimes we forget that the world isn't going to live like we do as believers. That the world isn't going to hold fast to what we hold fast. And we, sometimes we, we lose sight of the fact they're going to hate us. And Jesus told us this in John 15 verse 18 he said if the world hates you know that it has hated me before it hated you if you were of the world the world would love you as its own but because you are not of the world but I chose you out of the world therefore the world hates you why does the world hate us because they hated Jesus and we love Jesus that's why they hate us now look I'm not talking about they hate you because you're just a jerk I'm not talking about that. I'm saying they hate you because they know you love, identify, and serve Jesus Christ. So church, here's the reality in 2020. As Christians, we are to love Jesus. We are to love one another. And for doing that, you will be hated. People will hate you because you love Jesus. So why does the world hate us? Because of Jesus. Second question, why does the world hate us as seldom as it does? Why, in 2020, are we on the verge of maybe experiencing the most persecution we've ever experienced in here in America for our faith? Why is it taking this long? Like, why does the world not hate us more than it already hates us? Is it because the church looks too much like the world? Is that it? That for many churches, they don't really look much different than the world, so there's really nothing for the world to hate. If we really lived as Jesus would have us to live, the world's going to hate us. It's going to hate us. And so what comes out of the world? What comes out of the world is hate. The world's going to hate you. What comes out of the believer? Well, man, when you're bumped, what ought to come out of you is love. Again, not perfectly. Not perfectly. Not perfectly, because I'm not perfect. But I was studying this week about love, right, and, and love. I mean, I've been praying about it, praying about how I even respond to my own children. I pick the boys up from school. I bring them back here. Ryan comes to get them. It's like 3.35. I tell Malachi, look, man, you need to go to the bathroom before you leave, and Malachi gets defiant. 
I had just been studying about love and what comes out when your children are defiant. And I would love to say in that moment, man, I got down and I was just so loving, but I wasn't. Man, even your pastor, right, we wrestle with this. This is why we have to continually just submit ourselves to the Word of God and the Spirit of God and be quick to confess sinfulness. What comes out of the child of God's cup should be love. Look what he says, though, in verse 18. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Oh, church, we must be a people who love in word and deed. So let me do two things here as we wrap up. Number one, let me just give a word of gratitude. And then secondly, just a word of caution. Again, this isn't meant to be really in-depth this morning, but just to remind us that we're called to love. So let me give you just a word of of gratitude um, from my heart. I've now been your pastor almost 10 months. These last six to seven months have been challenging, I think, for every single pastor uh, who pastors a church. Like we're living in times which we've never pastored before. We don't know what to do. We can't please everybody. And so let me just say a word of, of thanks to you. In the last seven months, as we've gone through this, I have not received one email, one card, one letter, one person to pull me aside to say, why are you doing this? You shouldn't be doing this. Not one of that. Not one. And I talked to a couple pastors earlier in the week who both in the last month have woke up and at some point did not want to go to their church to pastor because they've dealt with that. So from my heart to you, thank you. Though you may not have agreed with everything I've done, you've understood that I'm fallible, I'm not perfect, and you have shown me love. And listen, I know we got several visitors here this morning. If you're looking for a church, and in a church you want somebody who's going to love on you, Northside Baptist Church is it. You don't have to look any further. And I'm telling you that from somebody who's an outsider, none of you knew me 10, 11 months ago, and yet you have been so gracious to me, so thank you for that. And now you've set the bar of expectation, so you have to keep doing that. Thank you. Thank you. So just from my heart, man, just just thank you. But let me give you a word of caution. And again, I don't think this applies to us, but it is something that I have seen too much lately. And that is among the body of Christ. There is far too much fighting and arguing and attacking other Christians. And I'm seeing this in the Southern Baptist Convention, and I don't like it one bit. I don't. We are arguing and fighting about silly, pathetic things when the world needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. Well, we're just, we're just looking for a reason to pick a fight. And so, church, hear me. These next two months in our country are not going to be easy. And I don't care what side you're on. It's not. It is going to be divisive. It is going to be volatile. It is going to be angry. We've already seen this played out. It's just the way it's going to be. And with the death of Ruth Bader Ginsburg this past week, that even ratcheted up even more. It's not going to be pretty. And I just want to remind you that whatever happens, Jesus Christ is still king. And your mission is to tell people about Jesus. That's your mission. And you cannot do that when you are raising your voice and yelling at people and calling them names because they disagree with you. You are to preach the truth. Absolutely. Stand upon the word of God, but do it in love. And so what I've seen far too often around me and from my own experience are churches that are so hostile even with each other. Northside Baptist Church, no matter what happens, understanding not everyone in this room probably votes the way you vote or or agrees with you on everything, that we're still going to love each other and we're still going to serve each other in Jesus Christ. And hear me, you're called to love, but you will never be able to love like this on your own. Jesus Christ is the one that enables us to love like this. You cannot do it apart from Jesus. You cannot love your spouse the way you're supposed to apart from Jesus. You can't love your children the way you need to apart from Jesus. You can't love your neighbor the way you need to apart from Jesus. You can't love me or the person sitting next to you the way we need to apart from Jesus Christ. So let us daily, maybe before our feet even hit the floor, just pray, God, give me a Christ-like love today for the people that I will encounter. 
especially my brothers and sisters in Christ. So just a couple questions um, as we close that I just want you to think about. Uh, number one is, do you know Jesus Christ? Have you experienced the love of Christ? That he came and laid down his life for you. Do you know that kind of love? Secondly, is there anyone in your heart right now that you would just have to confess, Pastor, I really, really don't like them. In fact, I hate them. And I, I can't pray good things for them. You just don't know what they've done to me, the hurt that they've caused. Would you just be willing? You don't got to confess that to me, but this morning in just a moment when I have you pray, would you just be honest with God and say, God, Lord, sin is crouching at my door, and I need through the Spirit of God to put it to death. And let me just, if there is somebody in your life that you really, really don't like, can I just challenge you to commit to pray for them for an entire month? Every morning, just pray for them. Good things, positive things, just pray for them. Let me just clarify that. Pray for them and see how God doesn't change your heart, right? So do you know Jesus? Is there anyone in your heart that currently you just do not love, that you are struggling to really love? And then here's the third question. Sometimes we can just say, well, I'm supposed to love anybody. I'm supposed to love everybody. And that kind of becomes a cop-out so that we're not loving anybody in particular. You can say, well, I love Northside Baptist Church. That's awesome. But are you loving individuals of Northside Baptist Church? So my third question to you is, is there someone in your Sunday school class, someone that you help out here with Upward, someone in the church that you can help this week? Not just saying, I'm praying for you, I'm thinking about you, but actually serving them, not just in word, but in deed. Before you leave here, my prayer is that God will impress at least one person upon your heart and that as we leave, we will leave here with the intent to serve that person somehow, some way this week. Would you close your eyes? Um, just bow your heads. And do, you, do you know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior? If not, I want you to give your life to Jesus this morning. I just want you to cry out, Lord God, I am a sinner and I am in need of a Savior. And I want to experience the love, God, that you have for me. And so I confess my sins, I repent of my sins, and I'm turning and trusting in Jesus. Jesus, save me. Will you just give your life to Jesus? And if, you, if, you're, if you've done that this morning, if you gave your life to Jesus, will you just come see me before you leave and share that with me so I can begin just to counsel with you, to walk, that, to walk you through that? Will you just pray, Lord, impress somebody upon my heart, God, help me, forgive me. There's, there's anger in me, hatred in me. God, speak to me. I'm going to ask you to stand. We're just going to sing two verses of a song. And while we're singing, as we're being reminded just about love, as you stand now and as we sing, would you just, would you just cry out to the Lord and ask him to do a work in your heart this morning? Amen. You may be seated. I have a couple of families that I want to present to you this morning who uh, went through our new members class last week and they just feel the spirit of God leading them 
uh, to join us here at Northside and the work that God's doing. And so, uh, again, because of lack of room up front, we're just going to have them stand. So the first couple is Bill and Pam Zink. So they're right over there. So this is Bill and Pam. You guys can be seated. Thank you. So Bill and Pam are coming by letter from Harps Crossing Baptist in Fayetteville, Georgia. I've been attending uh, with us for, for several months now, and it's so good to have you guys back with us. They were here before, and so the Lord has brought them back, and so thankful for that. We also have another family. They're, they're right over there. So this is Jude and Faye, if you guys will stand. Jude and Faye, and then Samuel. You guys can be seated. So that was Jude and Faye, and then their son Samuel. You guys have been attending here now for months, because you and I hadn't met at Starbucks before the virus even hit. So, so they've been coming for a while and so thankful for them. So Jude is coming by, uh, Jude's coming by baptism. He's a believer in Jesus Christ, but he's never followed him in believer's baptism. And so he's going to do that. And so we're excited about that. And then Faye's coming by statement, a believer in Christ who's already been baptized. And she's, so she's coming uh, by statement this morning. And so we're thrilled to have uh, both of you all with us. Will you let them know one more time how excited you are to have them? And there may be others who have been attending now for a couple weeks or a couple months and you never have officially joined. But I would love for you just to come see me and say, hey, we want to we want to join. We want to we want to participate in what God is doing here. Man, we're so excited. God is doing something in Northside. Amen. I mean, I'm, I'm excited about that and looking forward to what he's going to continue to do. Just a couple of announcements that I want to draw your attention to really quick before uh, we close with prayer. Our women's ministry, uh, Robin and Lindsay, uh, they're going to have a Bible study. You all are meeting in the WOW Sunday School class at 4 o'clock. So that's over in the education building. Again, if you've never been in there and you just want to come, you'll find them. Just hear them. You, you just follow the, the voices. They have a good time, these ladies, when they gather. And so they're going to study the Word of God. So women, I want to invite you to come. You can never study God's Word enough, and it's a way for you to build relationships. So if you're, if you're new and looking to get to know people better, man, come and be a part of that at 4 o'clock. Also, there's an announcement in here about Wednesday night Bible study. Every Wednesday, as other activities are going on, we gather in the education building to pray. And we gather to pray at 7 o'clock, and right now all we're doing is praying. Uh, we're focusing on praying. And so starting this Wednesday, I'm going to begin a new Bible study through the book of Hebrews and I'm not going to teach that on Wednesday nights. I'm going to continue to post that online. Some of you have said to me, listen, I, I can't ever just come to prayer meeting. I can't ever just sit in a Bible study. I'm always helping and serving. Can you continue to record these videos? It's a, it's a blessing midweek. And, and so I'm going to continue to do that. My goal is to keep them short, 10 to 12, 15 minutes at most. So it's just a midweek, just to kind of encourage you, refresh you, uh, just to get in the Word of God, hoping to ask you questions, so you'll continue to study that uh, throughout the week as well. So a lot going on. want you to be a part of that. All right, our Deacon of the Week is David Mazden. You're just going to pray for him back there, aren't you, brother? David's the only guy I know that's louder than me. So he can do that. So if you'll stand, David is going to close us with a word of prayer, and then you all are dismissed. 